very reluctant and hesitant to talk about money uh, as a pastor of a church because we know that so many uh, negative things uh, come out about preachers and churches and money. And uh, I can tell you today that I, I'm not talking about money because we have a need. If it comes to that point, I'll let you know, right? And uh, we'll be real honest about that. But I'm sharing with the, th- this with you today because for your good, for your benefit. And uh, many times we, we look things very uh, isolated from our viewpoint. But listen, God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be taken care of. He wants you to be provided for. But, but just like every other aspect of, of God's blessing in our life, we have got to be a people that say, yes, God, I agree on your terms. I agree on your terms. We don't come to God on our terms. We come to God on his terms. And um, so God wants to bring, uh, help us as we're in this series called Thresholds. God wants to help us cross the threshold of financial blessing. How many of you want or need financial blessing? I know that that is something in our life that, that we need. So as your pastor, listen, I will never manipulate the scriptures uh, for some hidden agenda. We're not trying to raise money. We've already taken the offering today. So we're not, we're not going to ask for more money today. Um, but I can tell you today that I, I would not be a good pastor if I would just talk about the things that I'm comfortable with or that you're comfortable with. I would not be a good pastor if we only dealt with those things. But, but my job is to lead you and to help you and to stretch you. And, and sometimes that involves me stretching myself. So and talking about some things that you or I are uncomfortable with. So as we cross the threshold of talking about financial blessing, then, then we've got to understand some things about God and, and the way the kingdom works, the way God's system works. How many of you guys have a system? We just saw an incredible uh, video, and I'm taking a lot of what I'm sharing today from uh, Pastor Robert Morris, who does an amazing job at this. But I really believe that for your life, for you to enter into some financial blessing, then you've got to get some things in order. And we're going to be talking a lot about the first fruits. This is not my grind. You know what I'm saying? You guys know that this is my, not my deal. This is not what I'm really comfortable sharing uh, this morning. But but I really want you to be blessed. I really want you to enter into God's blessing and cross into that. That, uh, that threshold. We started this series. So this is the fifth installment of this series. I started this series planning on talking about things like finance and family, and we just kind of, God gave us a detour, which has been a great detour. And so, but we still feel like that we needed to bring out these very practical issues. When we talk about the new covenant, one of the, one of the things that we can look in scripture as a reflection is the Abrahamic covenant. How many of you guys remember Abraham in scripture? Now, Abraham wasn't under the old covenant. He was under a different covenant. He was under the Abrahamic covenant. So this is what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, which I believe with all my heart that the the new covenant is most reflective of the Abrahamic covenant. Are you guys with me this morning? It's not under the old covenant of the law, but it's more associated with people that are living in right relationship with God by faith. And this is what Abraham had. So it says this in Genesis chapter 12, 12, God brings this promise to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And the, the, the reason, the ends, the end is this, and you will be a blessing. So see, God doesn't bless you so you can just have a lot and have a limo and have a house and have, you know, all this stuff. God blesses you so you can be a blessing. How many know that you can't be a blessing unless you're blessed? 
right? But the reason why you're blessed is to be a blessing. And so what we've done a lot of times is we talk about blessing on, on me and me being happy and me being full of joy. How many know when we talk about finances, when we talk about resources, that it all kind of works the same way, that you have a lot more resources in your life than just your money. You have your energy. Come on. You have your time. These are all resources that we need to give to God so that they may be blessed. See, some of you are so wore out and you're so drained and you're, you're so, quote, unquote, burned out because you don't give any of your time to God. Some of you are like, you know, we, we, serving is a big deal here at Overflow. And we're like, we, we say that every week. You need to serve. You need to get involved. And a lot of you say, well, I don't have time to serve. You know why you don't have time to serve? Because you don't make time to serve. I mean, you know, the busy is never a reason. It's just an excuse. All of us need to serve. Come on, come on. Okay. So last week, we, we've been in this series. We, last week, we talked about the city of Jericho. We loved it. Right? We're talking about going in, and we're shouting, and we're declaring. And then we see the, the walls of Jericho crumble, right? Now, Jericho was the first fruit city. It was the first city of many cities that, that Joshua would go and, and, uh, and lead a conquest over. He would go, and he would dominate and, and expand God's kingdom in these other cities. So the next city, after they go into Jericho, God said, listen, this is going to be the first city. Everything in the city belongs to me. You're not to keep any of it. It all belongs to me. All the gold, all the silver, all the plunder, none of that is for you. It's all for me. You're to sacrifice it because this is the first city that you're taking. So what they do is they go in and they take the city, and the next city is the city of Ai. All right, it's next on the list. Jericho, Ai, right? Next one on the list. And so Joshua does what every good leader does. He sends out spies to check out the land and make sure the land is ready. And they said, hey, they came back to the port and they're like, listen, Joshua, AI is easy. In fact, we don't need our whole army of 600,000 plus soldiers. We just need about 3,000 soldiers. And Joshua's like, okay, let's do it. So he sends out the 3,000 soldiers. And this is what it says in Joshua chapter 7. If you got your Bibles or your app, can follow along here. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai uh, chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at the turn of events, of events and their courage melted away. If you're using a paper bobble today, underline that. And their courage melted away. How many know that when you get defeated, you lose courage? Come on. And remember what God kept telling Joshua before they did anything? Be strong of good courage. Be strong of good courage. And here it says their courage melted away. Verse 7. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? Right? He started to sound like a good Jew at the time. Starts complaining, right? As they always did, he said, if only you had been content to stay on the other side, Lord, what can I say now to the people of Israel who has fled from its enemies? When the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then, we, and then what will happen is the honor of your great name. Not only is the name of this nation going to be jacked up, but the name of God is going to be messed up. Like God, your reputation is on the line. Right? Can you imagine? Lord, I'm going to crumble and everybody's going to know that I belong to you. And they're going to say, God isn't good. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. 
Now, see, many times we, we think the, the, the solution of answering the need in our life is more prayer. So we're praying God, and he's like, do something. I hear this all the time. You know, we have a lot of college students in here today. I'm just waiting on God. Can I tell you that most of you, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. God's, saying, God's not saying, just stay here. God's saying, get up, do something now. Make arrangements in your life. We need to pray. Come on, everything begins and ends with prayer in our life. Everything comes back to Jesus and our intimacy with him. But he says this, he says, get up. Why are you laying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I have commanded must be set apart. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. This is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. Now one translation says this, they have been made liable for destruction. Why? Because they took what belonged to God and they kept it. And when we keep what belongs to God, it sets us up for failure. I will not remain with you any longer. Whoa. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. So this is what happens. The children of Israel go into Jericho, and they start burning everything up. They start taking everything. They, they don't take anything. They leave it for God. But there's a guy there, and his name's Achan. And Achan thought, man, I really could use some money right now. Right? And so it says that he took gold, and he took silver, and he took some of the possessions, the things that belonged to God, and he took them to his tent, and he hid them, and he buried them. Try to keep a little for himself. But God said, you're not to take anything. And because this city was to be devoted to God, they lost the next battle. Now, the good, the, 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 the good part is, is they made that right wrong. They went all Old Testament on Achan and uh, took care of that and burned up the offering that he had kept. Why? Why would God do this? Because the first belongs to God. The first belongs to God. This is what we call the principle of the first. The principle of the first fruit. Listen, if God is first, then everything else will come into order. This is the principle of the first. If God is first, everything else will come into order. See, everything as far as being in order in your life is always this. Seek Jesus first. Seek my kingdom. All these things will be added. Right? You're seeking God's will for your life. You don't seek the specifics, you seek the Lord, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we know that, right? You trust the Lord. You seek the Lord. And when we do that, everything else comes in to order. We don't pick what we want to do and then come to God and say, God, would you bless it, right? This is what we do many times. We're like, God, I'm going to do this. Would you come down and kiss it and make it good, right? Instead, we say, God, what do you want, what do you want? This is the principle of the first, and uh, the first fruit of the first. Exodus chapter 13 says this. The Lord said to Moses, decide to me, uh, I'm sorry, dedicate, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born, both humans and animals, belongs to me. 
Now, the humans were dedicated, not destroyed, and the animals were sacrificed. And then Exodus, a couple of verses down, verse 12, it says, You must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. What's the point? What is he saying here? He's saying this, is every time a shepherd would bring a sacrifice, he would bring the firstborn lamb from that sheep. The firstborn lamb was to be sacrificed. Once that lamb was sacrificed, and he didn't know, listen, he didn't know if any more lamb, if it was going to be barren after this, but he would sacrifice that lamb and God would bless the rest. It was the first fruit. When someone went and they had a harvest, what would they do? They would present the first fruit. If they didn't, the rest was cursed. Scary. Why? Because the first belongs to God. However, you have clean and unclean animals, right? Lambs were clean animals. Donkeys were unclean animals. So how do you make an unclean animal clean? By sacrificing a clean animal in place of the unclean. How many of you are unclean? How many of you were born unclean? But how many of y'all been made clean by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus? Jesus, listen, is the first fruit of God. God gave you Jesus in faith that you would give God your life. God gave him in faith. God gave Jesus for you, trusting that you would give your life for God. Don't you love the gospel? It's not because you were born clean or you deserved it or you're so high and mighty or because you're born in a great family. No, it's because God sent Jesus in your place. Jesus is God's first fruit so that man can be redeemed. And this is the same way that you would redeem an unclean animal. Last week we talked about the first fruit of praise. Remember that? We talked about that they didn't shout. I'm sure they did shout after the walls that came down. But the victory shout is not after the event that claims victory has happened. It's before. So when we come in and we praise God, it's the first fruit that this victory belongs to the Lord. You don't praise God because everything's going great. In fact, you should praise God more when everything's going bad. Because you're giving him the first fruit of praise. In your life and in my life, we have sacred resources. Let's, let's look at some of the sacred resources in our life. The first thing is our time. How many of your time is sacred? It's important. It's potent. Right? And then I want to ask you, how generous are you with your time? How much of your time every day is devoted to God? The key to being fulfilled and having joy and having peace and having functionality in your life the way that God intended it is for you to make sure that God gets the first fruit of your time. There's battles for us when we wake up first thing in the morning. What's the battle? Pick up my cell phone, check Facebook, right? Check my email. Check my Twitter. Answer my text that I got at 2 o'clock in the morning. So funny how many people text the pastor at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. I'm like... Hey, what's up? I know. I know who it is. You're the, only, you're the only one that's awake that has my number. Sorry to bother you, Pastor, but what are you doing tomorrow? Like, can you ask me tomorrow? I mean, I'm there if it's an emergency, but come on. 
So you got your time. Number two, the second, another sacred resource is your energy. Your energy is sacred, right? Right? You value your energy. I value my energy. I don't, I don't pour myself into something that I don't value. I don't pour my blood, sweat into something that isn't important. How much energy are you giving to God? Listen, we, it's good to give your energy to your family. It's good to give your energy to the gym. But how much energy are you giving to God? It's good to give your energy to your job. That needs to be a priority in your life. But how much energy are you giving to God? And you wonder why you are so unfulfilled because you haven't given him the first fruit of your energy. And the third is our money. Now, when we talk about money today, some of you are like, you're, you're, you're like in the right seat, right? You're, you're good with that. So you might think exchange money for energy. You might exchange money for time when we talk about this this morning. So we have the sacred resources, the first fruit of our time. We need to get the first fruit of our energy. These are sacred things. Number three, the first fruit of our money. Check this out. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, then, then, see, we, we, we don't just honor God when we're blessed. Oh, I've got all this time on my hands. Now I'm going to serve God. Oh, I've got all this money. Now I'm going to give. No, 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 no. You honor the Lord before any of that. Before you see the blessing, the honor comes first. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing, overflow, whoop, be filled with overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Listen, when we bring the first fruit, the rest overflows with blessing. When you bring the first fruit, the rest overflows with blessing. Because why? Because you put God First, and if God is first, then everything else falls into order. Everything else falls into blessing. Shab. Okay. Let's just talk about what we call the first fruit of our finances is called the tithe. This is what we call it in church. This is what we call it many times in Scripture. And the, the most popular scripture that we use is Malachi chapter 3. So we're going to look at it. Will a man rob God? Malachi 3, 8. Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? How do you steal from God? In tithes and offerings. You are under curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Notice this is the whole tithe, not the partial tithe. Tithe means tenth. Eight percent isn't a tithe. Oh. I'm tithing. I'll bring five percent. That's not tithing. That there may be food in my house. Test me. Did you know that this is the only thing that we are permitted, the only thing that is legal for us as believers to test God in is in the tithe. It's the only thing. It, it's a sin to test God in anything else. It's not a sin to test God in the tithe. Some of you need to test the Lord. 
I can't make it. I, I can't afford it. We'll talk about that in a minute. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you won't have enough room for it. And then I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land. How do we get there? The first fruit. Notice that the tithe goes to the storehouse. We don't get to designate where our tithe goes. Well, part of my tithe is going to go to the this place and this place. No, no, no. It's God's. The only place you're bringing is the storehouse. It's great to give offerings to things outside of that, but we bring tithe to the storehouse. Are you with me? We love to give offerings. We love to bless other people. Leslie and I, when we, when we write our Todd check every month, we write that to Overflow Church. This is our storehouse. We don't say, oh, so-and-so's in need. Let's give our Todd there. Nope, that's not my storehouse. This is my storehouse. Right? Don't go to your store, school bill. Come on. We don't get, it doesn't go to Uncle Sam. It doesn't go to the mortgage company. It doesn't go to my car payment. Don't go to my net, Netflix account. Don't go to my cable bill. It goes to God. It goes to God. And I don't get to decide, well, I want this much to go to this, 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 this. No. This goes to the storehouse. Notice the word bring. You know, the Scripture never says to give your tithe. It never says to give your first fruit. It says to bring it. Why? Because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. Jaden up here uh, is back with us. We're real excited about that. He's been gone for a year. And he left his stuff in my attic. Okay, listen. He left his stuff in the pastor's attic. And, uh, you know, every time I went up to the attic, I was like, because I didn't think he was coming back. You know, I was like, man, he needs to get his stuff out of my attic. I'm going to sell it in the garage sale and make a bunch of money on these golf clubs. But when Jaden came back, he got the stuff out of my attic. How many of you know that I didn't give him that stuff? I brought it to him. It was already his. It's the same way with God. We don't give the tithe. We bring the tithe. Why? Because the tithe already belongs to God. So it's already God's. So that's how we rob him is because we don't bring him. So if I kept that stuff or I sold that stuff, I'd be stealing from Jaden, wouldn't I? Just because it's in my house doesn't mean it's mine. Just because it's in your bank account doesn't mean it's yours. Shop. It doesn't belong to me. It do, I am not allowed to touch it. Oh, it's so hard. Well, it's not mine. And we have been blessed beyond measure. Why? Because we've just been faithful to God. And when you are faithful to God, you will see God's faithfulness in your life. Listen, God's nature doesn't change. He's always faithful. That doesn't change. But you experiencing his faithfulness is contingent upon what you decide to do with what's his already. Boom. All right. I'm having fun with this now, but uh, it's still kind of hard for me to talk about. All right, now, three, listen, these are three objections people give to tithing because some of you are already having these objections this morning. Number one, tithing is the law. We are not under the law. Right? Have you ever heard that or said that? It's Old Testament. 
Listen, there are many, when we look at the law, there are many universal principles in the law, right? The law says do not murder. Does that mean now that we're not under the old covenant that we can murder people? No, because the law, the Levitical law, the, the Mosaic law was written for a specific people, for a specific agenda that God has for them. We are not under the law, but inside the law, there are many principles that are universal. One of those is tithing. Well, how do you know it's universal? Because tithing was way before the law and after the law. In fact, Malachi isn't written in the law, is it? Abraham tithed over, over 200, uh, 400 years before the law was ever written. Abraham tithed. 2,000 years before the law was there, over 2,000 years, uh, whenever, Abra- whenever Moses got the law, Abra- uh, Abel and Cain, they had to bring the first fruit. Why? It is a universal principle. If you want to talk about the law, then we will talk about 22 to 27%. That's what the law required. That was the tithe. That was the first fruit under the law. So if you want to get all law on me, 22 to 27%. Listen, tithing is not a law issue. It's a priority issue. We don't bring it by obligation. We bring it by faith. See, in the law, we brought, we brought everything by obligation. God's demanding it. God's demanding it. God's, and then, and then under the new covenant, we bring it just like Abraham did, by faith. Because everything we do is by faith. So I don't know that I'll be able to pay all the bills this month with missing that large sum of money. But I do it by faith. The second objection that people have to tithing is that Jesus never mentioned tithing. Jesus never mentioned tithing. False. First of all, Luke chapter 20, verse 25, Jesus said, we, we love this scripture to tell people to pay their taxes. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's. The word actually isn't give, although some translations say that. The, the word in the Greek is actually render. What is render? That you bring something that belongs to somebody else. So he says, render unto Caesar, pay your taxes unto Caesar, but give to God what is God's. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the tithe because the tithe already belongs to God. Then, again, Jesus says in Matthew 23, 23, you should tithe, yes. So Jesus does say you should tithe. Did you know, listen, we don't like talking about money in church today. I don't like talking about money in church today. But Jesus referenced and illustrated more with money than any other topic. Did you know that Jesus talked more about money than he did about love? all about Jesus taught more about money than he did love Jesus taught more about money than heaven and hell combined 11 of 39 parables were illustrated with money why because money is an indicator see the way that let me tell you this is how you know where your priorities are pull out a sheet of paper and open up your bank account. I know you can get it online. And start writing out where your money goes. Where does most of your money go? Starbucks. Oh, Lord. Where does your money go? And then write another thing. Log your time this week. And find out where your time goes. And I'll show you where your priorities are. Now, going to work, I would consider that being a priority for your family. You know, especially those of us like me that are primary breadwinners for our family. That'll show you. That'll show you what your priorities are. Your time and your money, your energy. Where do you spend those things? So money is an indicator just like those other things. This is what Jesus says about money. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Now, how many know that when Jesus talks about heaven, he's not just talking about a place. He's talking about a kingdom. He's talking about dominion. So Jesus is saying, invest your money in God's kingdom. Are you guys with me? But store for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Listen, when you give the tithe, nothing can touch that money. Nothing can touch it. You can't rot it or anything. It won't rot out. No thieves can break in and steal it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus tells us, listen, money is an indicator. I will also say this, that money is an investor of our heart. When we, there's, there, are peop, there are things that you did not want to give your money to, but once you gave your money to it, your heart followed it. Here at Overflow, one of the things that we do is, is anybody that's on staff, anybody's in leadership, we require them to tithe. Why? Because we want to know their hearts here. It's not a money issue. It's a principle issue. I just want to know your hearts here. It's not a legalistic thing. It's just like, are you with us or not? Because this will show that. And we'll make sure that we always lead the way and give more percentage-wise than anybody else does. Come on, are you with me? So weird to talk about this. Okay. Your bank account will reveal your priorities. Um. I listened to Robert Morris uh, talking about this principle. And they said, "Hey, your things, you're you're uh, you're you're so big on tithing that you probably search the tithe record of those guys that date your daughter." And he said, "That's absolutely right. I sure do because if they can't manage their money right, what makes me think they're going to handle my girl right?" Right? And I was like, "Dang, that's good." So that's good. So all right, I'll, pretty good. All right. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do that one day. <laughs> I think I will. And I can help you out too, dads. If you're like this guy's wanting to date my daughter, is he a giver? Let me look and see. All right. So the the first one is tithing is law. We're not under the law. Number two, Jesus never mentioned it. We just looked at it. Jesus did mention it. Number three, I can't afford it. We just can't afford to tithe. Listen, do you understand that to withhold the tithe is to steal from God? We don't give it. We bring it. Listen, you can't afford not to tithe. You can live on 90% blessed or 100% cursed. You can decide. You get to decide that. (laughs) You can live on 90% blessed or 100% cursed. I would way rather have 90% blessed than 100% cursed. (laughs) <laughs> Go ahead, Lord, take it. <laughs> right? So we give God, listen, we give God his portion first. It's not after the bills are paid. You can't afford it. It's not an option for you, believer, as a, as a follower of Christ. It's not an option for you. Well, I can't afford to tithe. Then you can't afford to follow Jesus. <laughs> Drops the mic, walks away. Yes. <laughs> please, please see my heart on this, guys. It's not for us. It's not for the church. We'll, if you choose to go somewhere else and tithe, awesome. Where, wherever it is that you can do that, but do it. We don't bring God what's left. We don't bring him leftovers. God doesn't do leftovers. He didn't give you leftovers. He didn't say, oh, it's going to be too hard to give up my firstborn son. Hey, angel, would you go down there and die for humanity? Hey. 
Hey, I'll, I'll just create another, another man like I did Adam. I'll just create him from the dust of the earth versus, versus using him born of some other person. I, I'll just create another person. So then, no, 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 no. No, Father didn't do that. He gave you the best. God, God don't do leftovers. <laughs> we don't do leftovers. We don't bring God what's left. We bring him the best. So you can't afford not to. Again, this is the only thing that God tells. Some of you are like, you're like, oh, man, it's, it's so hard. It's a hard step for me. Listen, it's not about legalism. Listen, it is not about legalism. If, you, if you're not a tither, I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're going to hell. I'm not going to tell you that you're gonna, it's going to be cursed the rest of your life. But listen, you've got to get over this. You've got to test the Lord. And listen, we'll do this as a church. We'll get behind you on it. And we'll say, okay, you can't, you, you don't think you can afford to tithe, then you tithe for three months. You tithe for three months. If this is your church, you tithe here. If this is your church, you tithe here. If it's not your church, you tithe where your church is. So I don't have a church. Well, you need to find one. Come on. Well, I'm paying my school. It's not for your school bill. It's for God. You don't get to designate. For three months, you do it. And at the end of those three months, you say tithing don't work. I'm not seeing the blessing of God. Then we'll give you all your money back. Do it for three months. I'll, we'll stand by. We'll stand by God on this. We'll, let, we'll we'll help you test the Lord. You're not testing us. You're testing the Lord. So we'll give you a, a three month, ninety day money back guarantee. <laughs> Test him. You're not testing us. You're testing the Lord. But we'll, we'll we'll be a safety net. We'll help you. We'll give you the grace to do it. It's all by grace. It's all by faith. Okay. Y'all okay? Woo! All right. Listen, this is what I love. Matthew 6. I, I, I know I got so much content today, but I, there's no way I'm going to do this two weeks in a row. Not even close. Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know what Jesus is talking about? He's talking about our needs. He's talking about the things that we would be concerned about, the things that we would have the tendency to worry about, right? Jesus is talking about our needs. He's like, don't worry and all this stuff. He's like, just seek the kingdom first. Listen, when you put the kingdom first, when you put the king first, all these things, everything takes care of itself. Principle the first, seek the kingdom first. Principle the first. When we make ourselves kingdom-focused in the area, any area of our life, but specifically in the area of our finances, it sets us in a worry-free zone. We don't have to worry anymore. Here you go, God. I don't know how the mortgage is going to get paid, but here you go. Boom, it's paid. What? When we are kingdom-focused, it puts us in a worry-free zone. Write that down, baby. Okay. All right. Let's, let's talk about generosity real quick. Let's talk about generosity. Now, generosity is the grace of giving. How many know that you're born stingy? You're born a taker. We learn to be a giver, right? Wow. Look at Uriah, you know, seven weeks old. He's a taker. And he just receives. That's all he does. <laughs> right? You guys know what I'm talking about. And uh, there's this church in 2 Corinthians and uh church in Macedonia that, that Paul is talking about. And they were broke, man. 
it was like the, the economy was shattered. And, uh, but what happened is they were still generous. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, just as you excel in everything, this is good, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in complete earnestness in your love for us, see that you excel also in the grace of giving. Now, this could be a whole other message because generosity and tithing are two different things. You're not generous if you bring the tithe. That, that doesn't belong to you anyway. You're touching something that's not yours. Oh, I'm generous. I tithe. That's, that's not generous. It's already God's. You're generous with more than that. Oh. Tithing doesn't make you generous. And, and listen, you can also tithe with the wrong spirit. What's crazy is you can tithe with the wrong spirit and God will still bless your finances. There are businessmen in the world today that tithe to churches and their finances prosper. Because it's just, it just works that way. It's, just, it's a system you buy into and it works. It's irrevocable. Like it just, it happens. So I know people that do that. When we talk about you can't outgive God, you really can't. I know that it's cliche and churchy. We love those things. You can't outgive God. You just can't. Some of y'all should try. We'll try a little bit. That's okay. All right. Um, the new covenant, the, the new covenant, we're going to talk about the new covenant. The new covenant standard is not tithing. That's the floor. The new covenant standard is generosity. So 10% should be the floor. That's a great place to start. Are you with me? Let me say this, that generosity, having a generous spirit will break the spirit of poverty and it will break the spirit of greed. Poverty is not a, uh, a financial status. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter if you, you can be, you can be in poverty and live in a mansion. You can have millions of dollars in the bank and be in poverty because poverty is a spirit. It's an orphan, slave spirit, poverty. You have that poverty spirit trying to make its way in your life? Be generous. Listen, you are a giver, child of God. You're a giver. And not just in your money, but you're generous with everything. Uh, I heard Bill Johnson illustrate this. He said that um, he was talking about somebody else, but somebody cut them off in traffic. And they started to get upset, and God spoke to him. He's like, it's okay, you can afford it. You can afford to be nice to people. You can afford to be generous to people. You can afford to be gracious with people because you are overflowing with generosity. It's not just a money issue. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of generosity. And it'll break. Listen, if you're greedy, break that spirit by being generous. Not just by tithing, but being generous. Give far and above. And you don't even have to be here. You go, you see somebody that's walking around and they're poor. You go bomb some shoes. You bomb a blanket. You, you invest where you can just be generous. You give something away. You don't want to give away. Just give it away. and Watch that spirit break off you. Get, get away from that. That's an orphan slave spirit. That's, that's, you're not walking as redeemed. You are a giver. You're a giver of life. You're a giver of finances. You're a giver of resources. You're a giver of energy. It's who you are. God created you to be generous. Okay. Now, people will pull up this scripture, 2 Corinthians, and they'll say, see, we don't tithe, we give. You can't give without tithing. Tithing belongs to the Lord. You can't give it, you bring it. It's already his. You can't give golf clubs to somebody that they're already his. Right? Y'all remember that? All right. 
2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says this. Oh, money, money, money. I remember when I was a kid, we'd go to um, get our pictures taken. Used to, you know, used to you would go to like a studio to get your pictures taken. Now everybody wants to go like downtown, and out in the woods, right? You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but used to you go to stu- a studio, and I remember the, the, the guy that would take the picture. I remember one time he's like, say money. And then everybody's like, money. You know, you can't. <laughs> I don't want you. I'll smile over money, then I will t- over cheese, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I like cheese too, but. <laughs> All right. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. Don't forget, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. We just don't have money. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. What does that mean? That means that you don't just go by the seat of your pants. That means that you made a decision. Not reluctantly or under compulsion like Josh is preaching on giving. You better give. Don't don't give under compulsion. Don't give under pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. We're talking about cheerful, sacrificial, and regular giving. This is what he tells this church to do. The, the church at Corinth, and he was telling them, be like the church in Macedonia who are generous even though they don't have any money. God is able to make you. Our, our pastor in Amarillo used to, I mean, El Paso used to say, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from an old grouch. And, uh, <laughs> I always thought that was funny. Uh, Leslie's so sick of hearing that. And God is able, able to make all grace. She's been hearing that her whole life. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, all grace, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Notice that he says that you're, it's not just going to be a financial thing, but your works are going to prosper. And he says this, as it is written, He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Why is God making you rich in every way, not just your finances? Why is God blessing those things? So that you can be generous on every occasion. Notice that he says this. He says, God supplies bread and seed. You don't eat seed and plant bread. So when you get your income, when your income comes in, you don't eat all of it, right? But you also don't sow all of it because some of it's seed and some of it's bread. How many know if you don't plant seeds, nothing's going to grow? You, you can't go, I'm walking around. I'm waiting to receive my investment from Wall Street. I'm waiting to receive some. You, know, you haven't made no in, any investments. They don't work that way, right? You actually have to pay money in to get money back, right? It's not like, oh, it's going to happen. God's just going to give it to me. You got, you got to put the you got to put the money in there, right? And I love what Jesus said. He said he said that it'll be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will men pour into your bosoms? If you just get it right. 
I hope I'm not making anybody mad today or uncomfortable because I'm really uncomfortable. So you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And a result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God people, but God's people, but it's also overflowing and many expressions of thanks to God. Then he says this in verse 16, on the first day of each week, each first, principle of the first, on the first day of each week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. So if we look here, our giving needs to be cheerful, sacrificial. You can't be generous without sacrificing, right? And regular. Now, let me give you a few practicals, and then we're going to pray that God will give us a generous spirit. And we're talking about generous, we're not talking about money. Money comes out of that. Talking about money, this is what you need to do, because some of you are just not here yet. I know for me, I was a believer for about two years before I started tithing, and I always struggled with my finances. But as soon as I started tithing, it was like everything was always taken care of. I had a lady, um, I didn't have money for food, for grocery store. I was youth pastor in Odessa, and uh, didn't know what I was going to do about groceries. I'd quit working in the oil field to, and cut my salary in half to go quote-unquote, full-time at the church, which couldn't pay me very much. So I obeyed this uh, from the Lord. I obeyed what he put in my heart to do. And I was a tither, man. I was a faithful tither. And this lady calls us one day, and she's like, I want to tithe my food stamps. I'm on food stamps, and I want to tithe them. And so it was crazy. So I went to the store with her, and she buys, like, all this food to fill up the fridge. What was it? It was God providing. You can talk about food stamps, whatever you think about that. She gave, and it blessed me. I was taken care of, right? And so, anyway, so here are the practicals. First of all, tithe 10. Tithe 10%, save 10%. I know some of you are not there. I know that that's something that we really work towards and we're not very good at doing. Save 10. Yeah, saving. We're good at tithing. We're not good at saving. But save 10. And steward the rest well. Be generous. Don't be stingy with it. We were talking about this, Pastor Shantae and I were talking, we were talking about this, we went to lunch one day, and they were talking about, you know, if you just put five more dollars on the tip that you gave the waiter or waitress above the, the 15%, that would, like, bless them like crazy. And it's like, for you, five bucks, you think it's a big deal at the moment, but in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that much. And, uh, yeah, so all the waiters say amen, right? So steward the rest well. Listen, don't spend what you don't have. Because, listen, God's financial process isn't just you tithe and just do whatever you want with the money. You've you got to steward it well. You don't be, don't be wasting money on stuff you're not using. Uh, don't spend what you don't have. Money, listen, money is a great servant but a terrible master. Jesus said you can't serve God in money. Why? Because money is a terrible master.